It's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Recording earlier in the week because, well, it's Thanksgiving and we all have lives. My name is Brandon Maney uh, and living the North Idaho life is our uh, North Idaho resident and expert, Ryan Skaggs. What's up, Skaggs? Surviving after the weekend, man. What a crazy weekend of events and, man, some awesome uh, state games. Holy cow, there's some great games this weekend. Yeah, really exciting games, um, especially at the 5A, 4A level, I feel like. And then you had some really good dynasty-type stuff at 2A, 3A, and then mm-hmm. really just compelling stories overall in the eight-man ranks. And so we did have two teams from North Idaho competing in football championships uh, this past week, Ryan. Which which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go 1AD1. I mean, yeah, what one at one eighty two? Yeah, sorry, one eighty two. Sorry, uh, since it seemed to have happened like a week ago. So yeah, yeah. We'll uh, <laughs> Thursday night at the Kibby Dome, uh, it was a date. Ryan, you and I were in the booth on the call for the Kendrick Tigers. Uh, Long time ab- no see. Absolute demolition and dismantling of a really good Camas County team. Uh, Sixty eight to nothing ends up being the final. Kendrick falls uh not that they were aiming for this but just from a statistical perspective uh they fall four points shy of tying the all-time record for most points in a championship game set by the 2014 prairie pirates shout out to coach ryan hasselstrom uh (laughs) but uh 68 nothing win by kendrick it's their third in a row and as they prepare to move up a level next year I mean, they couldn't have asked for anything better. They, they'll carry a 25-game winning streak into next year's season opener. Yeah, and you look at what that team was able to accomplish this year, and and they, you know, Coach Hobart tries to schedule up and, you know, able to pick up some of those 1AD1 teams early in the year um, to get his team battle-tested and to try to keep from getting some of those games that we saw last year where they had teams bailing on them uh, at halftime. And, you know, I know they had at least one or two of those this year, but um you know they got some they got some push and it, it it showed as they matured through the season you could see those se- the senior leadership there from Ty Cap and some of the other guys take over but uh really what i think it did was it it lifted the the whole like the i don't want i don't know how you want to say it but like the the uh whole is greater than the sum of its parts but um those young guys that can step right in and and you saw some of the guys come in in the second half too and um, monster games, obviously from like Hunter Taylor and Lane Clemenhagen and Ty had a great game. Um, but then you see like these young guys pop in and, and you look at the bright spots for the future and they've got a 25 game win streak. I don't know if that goes away anytime soon, just based on, um, all the pieces they're going to, they're going to return. But I mean, let's look revel in the present too, but, um, you know, 25 games, three consecutive state championships, they're, Last I saw the number one ranked six man or eight man team in the country, uh, according to Max Preps. Um, I mean, that's that's a huge statement for for that program and what they've been able to accomplish. And I don't see that state championship train uh, getting derailed anytime soon. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. So here's my question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you talked about Kendrick always struggling to find opponents. Um, we know that Kendrick has the the fundraising capability of sending. Uh, I don't think we've discussed this on air, but we were talking about this off air. The Kendrick girls basketball team is traveling to Sitka, Alaska, for a tournament this winter. That you know, that's not cheap. Can't we get? Can't we 
you know, fund a game where Kendrick could play a, a an eight man power from somewhere else around the country. How cool would State that be? Texas, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, well, shoot. I mean, Coach Hobart gets to fly charter coming back from Twin Falls after the Hagerman game. So, I mean, like, no, I, I say that jokingly. He had an event to go, to go take care of, and he was he was flown by one of the dads of the kid on the team. So I can't give him too much too much uh, grief over that. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I think realistically, being able to to try to schedule a an eight man power from somewhere else in the country, I mean, that'd be stinking awesome. And maybe that's something that Logan Green needs to get on to try to fundraise for getting sponsors <laughs> together for a neutral site game or something like that uh, here on Idaho Sports, but. Um, no, that'd be an awesome event. I I look forward to them going up a classification too. I think it makes scheduling those non-conference games a little bit easier. Um, you can get the Butte counties continuously on the schedule. I think you can get the Oakleys. You can get the Grace. Um, there's going to be teams like that that are going to be willing to play them year in and year out moving forward just by going up a classification in addition to, to a, a tougher conference schedule. Right. Uh, yes, they'll have seven dates filled next year by White Pine League members. So only two dates that they're going to have to fill uh, in this championship performance specifically. Ty Kep, IdahoSports.com, player of the game, well-earned in his final game of his career. Ryan, 15 of 19 passing, 401 yards, four touchdowns. He also ran for 13 yards and two scores. So he had six touchdowns in total. And I mean, here, stop me if you've heard this before, but here are some of the other stat lines. Uh, Nathan Twite, two uh, catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Hunter Taylor, three catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. Also returned a punt, 67 yards for a touchdown. Sawyer Hewitt, 71 yards rushing and a touchdown. Five catches, 79 yards and a touchdown receiving. Just an embarrassment of riches for this Kendrick program. Yeah, and then the riches get richer. I think that, you know, you could throw some of those stats in, and I don't want to say it was garbage time because they were still playing against starters when their backups came in late in the game. Um, you know, that that number two group that came in, they still – I don't know if you noticed, but um, all but two guys that were on the field for Camas County were starters. Um, when that team went down the field and scored a touchdown when that group – that young group came in. Um, so – yeah, I mean, I you look at the the championship performances. You want to say big players step up in big big games. Um, you got that, and I think defensively, I think was the the unsung like we talk about the offensive gaudy stat lines week in and week out that this team turns out. But you look at the defensive side of the ball and what they're able to do up front, where you've got Dallas Morgan getting double teamed every single play, still, and then it clears the way for other guys like you know, Boyer or Clemenhagen or, you know, just name who you want, Fitzmorris, all of the other guys that show up on the defensive side of the ball, they're able to make huge plays. Um, you know, you got a big turnover from Mason Kimberling on an interception there deep in the red zone to, to thwart the deepest attempt of the night from Camas County. So, um, you know, defensively, I think is the one that we talk about offense so much with this group. That defensive group is so dang good. And you look at what they gave up this year. I think they averaged at the end of the season, it was eight points a game um, in eight man football. That's unheard of. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane uh, to think about. So well-earned wins uh, for Kendrick all the way around um, three time defending one AD two champs. They'll be now moving on up to that uh, apartment in the sky. Like, uh, <laughs> George and Wheezy did all those years ago, and 
<laughs> moving on up to the White Pine League 1A D1 edition or next year 2A edition. Uh, yeah. And good luck. So congratulations. Kendrick finishes the year undefeated as well. 10 and oh. All right. The other uh, championship game participant, Ryan, came all the way at the other end. 5A. Coeur d'Alene Vikings had to travel down to Holt Arena to play for what essentially was a home game for Highland in the championship. Uh, people tell me, I, <laughs> I sound like our former president, people tell me Holt Arena was the loudest it's ever been in its history. <laughs> the crowd was huge. <laughs> the crowd was huge and Maybe the biggest ever. <laughs> you know, that other guy, he comes, the crowds are not so big. <laughs> well, the other guy being, well, there was the beef this week between ISU and U of I between who had the better dome. So um. <laughs> people tell me that Kibby dome, nothing to it. Anyways, I'll, I'll stop the bad impressions. Uh, Good, maybe bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, <Yeah>. people, people <laughs> told me that Holt Arena was the loudest they had ever heard it for this Coeur d'Alene Highland battle. And it, it, it just went back and forth. I'll just kind of chronologically move through the game and then we can recap. Yeah. Highland did win 35-28, but Coeur d'Alene strikes first on a trick play. They did a double pass, a wide receiver pass for 84 yards from Joe Hagel, who had been a JV quarterback previously. So he's got a he's got an arm, but he hits uh Kai Wheeler on an 84-yard touchdown. So Coeur d'Alene's up 7-0. Highland answers, though. So we're tied 7-7 at the end of the first. Second quarter, Highland jumps ahead 14-7, but Coeur d'Alene undetoured scores with one minute to play before halftime. Owen Harris scores from five yards out. It would be the first of three touchdowns on the day for Harris. We get to the third quarter, opening possession for Coeur d'Alene. We're tied at 14-all. Harris again scores from five yards out. It's 21-14 Vikings. And to come out and punch Highland right away in that second half like that, I thought was really impressive. But again, Highland shows their championship pedigree. They're not faced. They come down and not only tie it, 21-21, but they score again to take a 28-21 lead into the fourth quarter. And that's where Coeur d'Alene goes back to the well, digs deep again, and Harris scores for the third time in the contest, this time uh, putting the game at 28-28. So we're tied at 28-all with about seven minutes to go. Highland's got the ball. They're at midfield, and this was the backbreaker. 4.28 to play. Highland quarterback Drew Hymas breaks free for a 47-yard touchdown run. 35-28 lead for Highland ultimately turns into a Rams win. We were kind of joking, and we said, uh, first team to 10, maybe 14 wins this defensive yeah. battle. And, boy, both of these offenses showed up in a big way. It's a shame somebody had to lose. Coeur d'Alene came up just a handful of plays short. Yeah, I don't know who had, uh, what was it, almost 1,000 yards in total <laughs> offense on their bingo board. But, like, that was something yeah. to start this game. I was like, man, first team that breaks 150 team yards is probably going to have the chance to win this one. Uh, but we saw an offensive shootout and, you know, that's something that we haven't seen quarterline play like is, is getting into an offensive shootout like that necessarily. Um, you know, and that's a Highland offense that you look, I mean, everybody talks about Hymas, but man, their running back is a stud too. And, you know, that was the thing that showed up in that game was just, you know, quarterline tries to stop one thing and it's like, you know, it's like plugging holes in a boat. Um, 
you know, and then something else breaks free. And, and Hymas obviously getting that that touchdown late in the game. I don't necessarily know if that was a backbreaker because I really thought Coeur d'Alene could match scores there and come back down. The way they drove the field in the second half to start things off, they'd really seen something in the passing game. And, you know, they were taking advantage of Kai Wheeler in the passing game. Um, they got a big play out of uh, Kazar. They got, a, like, I think it was a 54-yard gain in one play. Uh, but then – you know, Simmons throws that late pick, and that was kind of the backbreaker there. Tordling did get the ball back again late, but just it wasn't it wasn't enough. I mean, I really, you know, they had to punt that away. Highland comes down, gets the score. CDA gives it right back on the turnover, and that was all she wrote. You know, a couple knees, and that was the ball game. But uh, what a phenomenal game! I mean, just from the get go, things it really. Coach Amos, like I just saw him go to the bag of tricks early and it wasn't that they needed to. It was just like the swagger coming into the game. They get the big stop early. They come back out and just throw a haymaker punching Highland right in the mouth with that big, long touchdown um, on the on the trick play that, you know, kind of set the tone. But it was just a back and forth affair. And just one of those ones that, you know, Sean Kane and I talked about it off air was, you know, not that we were on air, but we talked about it in, in, in messages and stuff was that you know, how great that game was. Like, really, you look at it play for play, what happened in that game and just, like, the massive plays that had to take place third and long, getting a 14-yard first down for Coeur d'Alene. Like, there were so many of those chunk plays that happened for both teams. Um, that was just a one for the ages. I don't really know how to say it. That, that state championship game, if you paid and you drove the 600 miles it was to Pokey from Coeur d'Alene to go to that game, you got your money's worth, even though it didn't come out on top for the Vikings. Yeah, it was a pretty epic battle between two teams um, that really over the last 15, 20 years, Sean, have really carved out a nice rivalry between the two, considering they're so far yeah. apart and they really don't play each other except in the playoffs. They they did, you know, they have scheduled each other in the regular season a couple of times here and there. But for the most part, uh, I believe Paul Kingsbury was talking uh, during the broadcast on IdahoSports.com and he basically said, you know, Highland's last championship game in 2017 when they beat Coeur d'Alene and Coeur d'Alene's last championship game in 2013 when they beat Highland. And mm -hmm. so they just always seem to get matched up. Yep. Um, epic battle, though. Congrats to both teams. No shame uh, for Coeur d'Alene this year. And remember, uh, nobody in the preseason, not you, not I, not any of the coaches in our preseason coaches poll, nobody picked Coeur d'Alene to not even win the conference, right? Yeah. It was all, it was all post falls and Coeur d'Alene, I think had a chip on their shoulder all year and they proved everybody wrong time and again. And it was a great season for coach Sean Amos and company. Yeah. 100%. Sure. That was just an outstanding job by coach and, and what they were able to do and playing a tough schedule. And, you know, it, I think it all started when they made that QB change. We, we alluded to it early in the year, but the tide really turned for that team and, and for the better coming down the stretch. And then you saw them get the revenge win, the big win at home against Rocky. Um, I, that's when you could kind of look at this team and go, uh-oh, this team's built different. Like you look at this defense, this is a different animal uh, with an elite defense like that. And, uh, you know, obviously came up just shy in the state championship game. Yep. All right. So that concludes our football championship talk, but we pivot now to, uh, let me see if I can pull this down for a second. Da, 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 da. For the third year in a row on the North Idaho Prepcast on IdahoSports.com, it's the Skagsies Awards. 
We're coming to you live from the beautiful Chamber Elks Lodge in Sandpoint. And no, I'm just... <laughs> Anyways, it is time for the North Idaho prep cast. And really, it's it's Ryan does this every year, and we love it. It's your all-North Idaho football team. And yeah. you separate it into large school and small school. Kind of take us through the basics while I uh, attach my microphone back to its its stand here. Yeah, so it's the all-North Idaho awards that nobody asks for. Nobody ever gets anything from me. Maybe one of these years I'll print them a certificate or something and send them a cookie. I don't know. But, um, no, just recognizing the, the outstanding efforts and players you know, around the uh, North Idaho and District 1 and District 2. Um, so I broke it down for large schools, 5A, 4A, 3A. Small schools going to be 2A, 1A, D1, 1A, D2. Um, I don't try to be partial and give the uh, participation awards to make sure every team is represented. I give the awards like my best to who's who I saw as having the outstanding efforts this year and this season, um, you know, from the respective schools. And it's based upon, you know, a lot of stuff about what I've seen eyeballs on myself or what I've watched on film through either huddle or, uh, you know, clips that have been out there through the press as well and and reading through stats. But I did put a lot of effort into this to break it down. Um, There's one name of mission that I did leave off that I really feel really badly about. and It's on the offensive side, offensive line at 5A, but I'll get to that and I'll add him um, after the fact. But um, you're kind of looking confused because I totally forgot to text it to you afterwards. But well, um, you can tell me and I can put yeah. it in real quick. Uh, Will Fairbanks from Coeur d'Alene at center. <laughs> okay, I mean, because I, I thought I thought yeah. you were I thought you were saying like, oh man, we just I had to make a tough cut because we only have X amount of slots available. No, I can make as many that's, slots as I want. <laughs> that's why I looked at you and I'm like, dude, there's like there's legitimately like five running backs on this team. Like, what are you talking there's about? Four. <laughs> no, you gave five out to five different kids. Uh, okay. Well, we'll we'll go through it. How about that? <laughs> you're like you're like, dude. I was looking at the like preseason um, all conference teams for college hoops and. Um, like the the SEC, their first T-ball conference had like eight guys on it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Basketball's played eight on eight. <laughs> well, so this is like my, you know, you think about it, like you want to have like your next two guys off the bench and type of stuff. But I wanted to represent equally, but not like favoritism where, you know, there's going to be schools that have no kids on here. Like, I'm just going to be blunt and say it. But it's not that they don't have any good kids. It's just I think that there's a few teams that dominate with the talent that they have, um, you know, and there's some, some notable omissions from this list because I don't think they had probably as great of a year as they could have. Um, and I won't name names and, and point those kids out, but I think you'll read through this and you'll see and be like, Oh, how come that guy's not on there? Uh, it's because realistically, I didn't see from my eyeball test. I didn't think that they were deserving. So uh, maybe they use that as motivation to prove me wrong at the next level. But um, <laughs> so with no further ado, uh, where do you yeah. want to start? Okay, so I will share my screen. I've got it all typed up yeah. here and ready to go. And uh, so those of you that are watching this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll be able to see it. If you're listening audio only at IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, uh, I will run through the names as well, and then Ryan can expound upon them. But let's start with the large school division. This is 5A, 4A, and 3A. And let's start with your awards ryan yeah. as we take a look here coach of the year sean amos from Coeur d'Alene high 
your offensive player of the year is Sandpoint, dual threat, running back, receiver, slot back, whatever you want to call him, playmaker, Max Frank. Yeah. And so, then your yeah. And, 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 and then your defensive player of the year is Cordelaine linebacker Shea Robertson. Go the, ahead. The tackle machine. Yeah, the reincarnation of Bobby Boucher. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Coach of the Year, Shale Namus, we talked about him previously just a second ago, but like what a phenomenal job he did with that group this year. Not making the playoffs last year for the first time in what seemed like forever. Uh, leads his team to the state championship in 5A. Uh, that's a that's a phenomenal uh, job and and his him and his crew. I think that's a that's a award that goes to the entire staff. Uh, we'll start with Max Frank, the offensive player of the year. This is a tough one because it could have gone either way. I think with Tevin Burns, um, but I look at body work. Max Frank doing it on you know he did it on defense. I mean that kid was balled out on defense. So if you look at total snaps that Max played, I think he played like. It was something like 85% of the snaps each game. I mean, he just couldn't get him off the field. But what he did, you know, 80 carries, 567 yards rushing, and only, oh, hey, 14 TDs. Um, and then you throw him in the passing game, 51 receptions, 811 yards, and seven more touchdowns. Just a phenomenal career uh, at Sandpoint High School. Big reason why they had the success that they did uh, the last year. He was a huge target last year. Obviously, we talked about him a lot, but – um, 1,399 total yards with 21 TDs. That's, you know, what else can you say? Uh, Shea Robertson, I believe, ended the year. I think he was somewhere in the neighborhood of 170 tackles on the season. Um, <laughs> I've never seen that. I mean, I don't I don't know where else you see that. I've never personally seen it. I don't know if that's a state record in the state. I don't know what the tackle record is. Um, I'd have to go deep into the archives to probably find that. But to hit those numbers and is just gaudy i mean and you look at him on defense and you watch film and you're like who is that guy that just keeps knifing through every single play he'll come out of nowhere and it just seems like he'll shed a block makes a tackle sheds a block makes a tackle and uh, he's gonna go play for eastern washington next year and i wouldn't be surprised to see him absolutely run rough shot over the big sky um you know he's gonna make his presence known. i watch him and i equate him to uh what was that montana state linebacker a couple years ago um they got drafted by the falcons uh, oh, Troy, Troy Anderson, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I look at him. That's a he's like a Troy Anderson type athlete. Just just a freak out there that has a nose for the football. Um, I would equate him also. I got to watch him a lot when I was young, like you know in college. Was Corey Hall, um, who played at Boise State. Same type of player. I mean, just a dude that's always around the football and just plays extremely hard. So, uh, those are my my players of the year and my coach of the year awards for large school. Future uh, Green Bay Packers fullback Corey Hall. For BSU. Yeah, I'm wearing my Packers shirt today. So, uh, yeah, uh, Troy Anderson from Montana State now in the NFL, as well as Alex Singleton, another Bobcats linebacker. He plays for Denver. Uh, And I'll tell you, uh, Eastern needs it. Uh, I've watched Eastern play a couple times this year. They've got a leaky defense. So, Shea Robertson can help that out. Yeah, he'll Um, be a difference maker for the Eags. For sure. All right, let's take a look at your. offensive unit let's start with the skill position guys because this was so big it couldn't all fit on one (laughs) screen here so yeah uh let me scroll down here to the skill positions i counted spielman and harris as one running back (laughs) i mean i put them i put them as separate so okay let's 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 go position by position i'll outline and then you you highlight what you want to highlight three Three quarterbacks made your squad, and I've got them listed in alphabetical order by school. There's no like, oh, 
this guy was the best because no. he's listed first. It's alphabetically by school. So quarterbacks, yeah. you've got three of them. Caden Simmons from Coeur d'Alene, Drew Lehman from Sandpoint, Cole Meitinger from Timberlake. I think the three of them, I mean, I don't know if you can really argue there as far as large school quarterbacks in North Idaho. All three of them had great seasons. Um, Stat-wise, you know, Cole Meitinger rewrote the passing books at Timberlake in a wing T offense. Um, you know, and he, he, and it wasn't close at what he was able to do with, with the Tigers up there. Drew Lehman did a great job coming in for Sandpoint late, you know, in the year in a quarterback change steps right in, just like we saw with Caden Simmons and just absolutely flourished game managers, but, you know, took what the defense presented and was extremely efficient. Um, you know, great passing efficiency for both those QBs, Simmons and Lehman and, uh, leading their teams to deep playoff runs. I mean, the, you know, both those guys respectively, you know, had great seasons in their own right. And obviously not starting the year as the starter, uh, but finishing the year as, you know, on my all North Idaho team. Um, you know, you look at running back Owen Harris and Carson Spielman, I had together just because of the injury, but go ahead. Yeah. 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 It's all right. I'll, I'll outline each position and then sure. you come in with the, uh, and now this is my Not show. Good. Don't you forget it. It's your, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> These are your awards. Uh, running backs, you really had four listed, but you have the quarterlane guys together. I mean, I just yeah. separated them. Uh, Owen Harris and Carson Spielman, both from quarterlane. Uh, Tevin Burns from Post Falls. Cody Brewster from Sandpoint. And Cooper Lenz from Timberlake were your running backs. All different kinds of runners, too. And that's the thing that I doesn't, you know, you look at this and it's not, this isn't by any order whatsoever. This is just team. Here you go. Um, because you know, you look at Tevin Burns, the phenomenal senior, senior season he had for post falls. He was dominant in running back position. Um, Spielman and Harris. Spielman started the year so well for the Vikings. Goes down with a knee injury against Lewiston. Harris pops in for the playoff run and doesn't miss a beat. And, uh, you know, that's I'm, what would Coeur be if they still had Spielman? That's the, the kind of question mark is they get all the way to state championship and they're missing their best running back. And, uh, you know, so those two had a phenomenal season, but Spielman had a lot to do with Cordelaine getting to the playoffs. Cody Brewster at Sandpoint very quietly rushed for a thousand yards this year, um, was a touchdown machine too for the, for the Bulldogs, but had himself a great season. Cooper Lenz went over a thousand yards for, for Timberlake as well, had himself a great season as well. We got to watch him a couple times live and, uh, he didn't disappoint by any means in, in his, you know, showings and did very well for the Tigers. Yeah, part of that law firm backfield of uh, Lenz, Higgins, and Tebby. Uh, and then you can't forget Jonathan Hanson, the fullback either for yep. Timberlake. It was a good, good unit. Okay, your wide receivers. We've got uh, Jamison Kazar and Kai Wheeler, both from Coeur d'Alene. Alex Shields from Post Falls and Jacob Yetter from Timberlake. Yeah, and you look at this group, man. If I'm If I'm an OC and I have those four receivers to choose from, I mean, the world is my oyster. You got... The size of Kazar that just was a matchup nightmare. Um, you know, when big plays were needed, he provided Kai Wheeler stretches the field. 6'3 receiver can go up and get the ball. We saw that in the state championship game. Um, you know, they really picked on the Highland DBs using Wheeler, you know, on the jump ball. Um, but we saw that throughout the season that Cordelaine just had weapons. You didn't see any gaudy stat lines because they had other guys that are missing, like Colby Cooey could be on this list. Hagel could be on this list. There's other dudes. I mean, they just only won football to go around. Um, then you look at Alex Shields, had a great season for the Trojans. She really stretches the field, uh, does a great job, got a lot of touchdowns for the Trojans. And then Jacob Yetter, 
uh, for Timberlake, you know, went over a thousand yards receiving. He's got this receiving record, if I'm not mistaken, too, for the Tigers in a single season uh, with him and Mightinger team together was just great in the passing attack, balancing that that law firm that you talked about in the backfield. Um, so, yeah, three, three great, you know, or four great receivers there that are, they're on this list and they really stood out this year. Yeah, uh, kind of coupling that in tight end one, Asher Bowie from Post Falls, another future EAG at Eastern Washington. Another guy that can stretch the field. He's a matchup nightmare, but he also is effective as a blocker too. I mean, coming out of as the H back, you could see him coming around the corner and setting the edge for for Tevin Burns. I mean, there was a lot of runs that Tevin could, you know, contribute and say, "Hey, Asher, help pop that." Um, But yeah, great, great tight end. He's going to do great for the Eags as well. Yeah, that that blocking will play at the next level for sure. And speaking of blocking, let's go to the guys that are in charge of blocking up front, the offensive linemen here. We've got uh, three Coeur d'Alene Vikings, Will Fairbanks, Aaron Ivankovic, and Bryson Muckenthaler. We also have two Post Falls Trojans, Jackson George and Brent Ludeker. Carter Vanek from Lakeland, who I forgot to put above the Post Falls guys because it's alphabetical. So let me do that. Carter <laughs> Carter Vanek, who is the biggest lineman, right, in terms of yep. sheer size from Lakeland. And then Luke Shell from Timberlake in there also. Luke, and yeah, and the one that stands out to me, Bryson Muckenthaler is just an absolute mauler um, on the offensive line. You look at him and he just pops off tape. He's you know, in a running play, he's always like five, seven yards downfield, just shoving a dude. Uh, Aaron Ivankovic, you look at, he's burying somebody. Will Fairbanks, you know, teamed up on a double team inside on a zone. Good luck. See you later. That, you know, off to the races. They just pave the way up front, those those three for the Vikings. Um, Carter Vanek for Lakeland, like you said, just an absolute monster up front, but he's physical. He's not just big, he's physical. He jumps off tape, you know, like he love you well, could, you know, give Carter a lot of credit for the running game that Lakeland had this year. It was a lot of him uh, running behind him. Jackson, George, and Brett Ludeker seem like they've been at post falls forever. Um, they had phenomenal careers, but they were on this list last year. They're on it again this year. They, you know, those two right there with the Trojans, um, you know, we talk about Tevin Burns having the career he had or the season he had. A lot of the credit goes to those two dudes up front. Um, and Luke Shell from Timberlake, we got a chance to watch him in that playoff game was an absolute monster on the offensive front. He was just absolutely burying guy after burying man. Uh, he was, uh, he could have got a job at IHOP. He was serving up pancakes. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Muckenthaler of the mauler. I like it. it yeah. uh, good, good ride in there. Um, okay. Let's go to your large school defense. I think I can get all these guys in on the same screen. So here we go. Defensive linemen, Alex Brown and Aaron Ivankovic from Coeur d'Alene. Braden Teary from Lakeland, Kyron Riddle from Sandpoint, and Jeremy Hurlbert from Timberlake. You know, look at that. This line. I mean, you could put more dudes, bro, from that quarter lane front in here. Um, you could. There were some guys, you know, DN from from Lake City that would would make some effort too. But you just look at the ones that stood up off off tape and really had themselves a, a whale of a season. Alex Brown was an unsung guy on the edge for quarter lane. I think that he balanced that defense. You could also say that he's a linebacker too, because he did go back into the linebacking set, but uh, Ivankovic up front was just an absolute animal. I mean, you watch him and, and you look at what Shea Robertson's able to do. It's because Ivankovic is getting a lot of double teams too. Um, and he's clearing the way for some of these other guys that you'll see from quarter lane that just their tackle numbers were absolutely ridiculous. Um, you could pretty much almost put like, 
all 11 dudes on this list realistically just because of the stats that this group had, especially from takeaways. But uh, Braden Teary was just physical up front for Lakeland. I mean, if you want to look for bright spots for that group, you know, there's there's him. He stood out, you know, on the on the defensive front, just very physical um did a great job kyron riddle from sandpoint pressured the qb like crazy he was quick off the edge he's physical he's great in the run game can't really knock him and then jeremy herbert herbert for uh timberlake we saw him get a turnover in the in the playoffs i mean he's just everywhere that guy was an animal defensive end and and just an absolute beast for the tigers um so you know capping off a great run for timberlake to lose obviously losing to sugar though but um i like that really i like that group a lot i really do and then your linebackers, you've got five of them. One, two, three, four, yep. five. Yep, five. Okay. Uh, Parker Neff from Coeur d'Alene, Garrett Leonard from Lake City, Cooper Craig from Post Falls, Wiley Wimmer from Sandpoint, and Caius Tebby from Timberlake. This one may have been the hardest group to choose from just because there's so many guys in linebacker um, that just excel and play at a very high level in North Idaho. There's some guys that are omitted from this list that are dudes too. Uh, Parker Neff for Coeur d'Alene in my mind, may have been one of the, the unsung heroes for that defense. I mean, he was just there. He needed a big stop. You know, if they're going to get to a double team on either Robertson or Ivankovic up front, Neff slices in forces fumbles like crazy. Um, the guy's just a turnover causing machine. He's a havoc causer, kind of like we like to talk about the last few years with some of the guys around the area, but um, Garrett Leonard quietly had a monster season for Lake City. I mean, I think he had over 90 tackles for the for the T Wolves on defense from the Mike linebacker position. Cooper Craig, we talk about him, difference maker on defense. This guy's physical, plays sideline to sideline like his hair is on fire. Uh, wasn't healthy a lot of this year. I think we could have really seen a bigger year from him. Um, he had a hip injury. He was battling most of the season, but still, he's going to play at the next level, and he's going to play at a high level. Like Cooper, he's a great kid, but just a physical. Um, ball hawking type of defender. Wiley Wimmer, very quietly for Sandpoint, had himself a great season. I mean, over 75 tackles, um, really pushed defensively in a Sandpoint unit that really hangs their hat on the linebacking group. Wiley does a great job. And then Caius Tebby from Timberlake was one of the leading interception guys in the state from the linebacking position. I think he had five picks on the season. He was just an animal out there, um, had a whole gob of tackles, but just, you know, caused trouble out there just he was you know captain chaos out there for for timberlake yeah i'm glad uh you put garrett leonard on there because i want i i was on the call for lake city and post falls and he was everywhere i was so yeah. impressed with him and yeah. cooper craig was an all-state db the last two years and was asked to move up closer to the line of scrimmage and he said okay yeah let's do it and totally embraced it uh speaking of it's time to take a look at the defensive backs here we have jason katie and nolan christ from Coeur d'Alene, dayton phillips from lewiston eli allshouse from sandpoint and jacob yetter of timberlake it's crazy as if you go statewide um 11 man football you have three of the top six uh dbs in the state in this group as far as interceptions go between jason katie nolan christ and jacob yetter um those those guys obviously stand out on film if you watch katie is a he's an animal nolan christ plays at free safety and he is just sideline to sideline every single play he's like one of those kids when i coach that you just know he likes to get his name called um, so he's just going to run around and find the football. <laughs> so he's in on a play, either it's a half tackle or, you know, it gets an assist on the tackle or he's making the solo in the secondary. 
but breaks up passes like crazy. Dayton yep. Phillips for Lewiston um, in the secondary was was a monster for the Bengals. You know, in a team that we expected, I thought a bigger showing from this year. He was a bright spot on that defensive side of the ball. And then Eli Allshouse from standpoint quietly in the secondary um, did a great job. I mean, you could put him. He was generally on the best receiver from each team. Um, and played up. He played. He didn't play down to his competition. You put him against the best guy, and generally kept those guys in check for the most part in each game. So that's what you ask for uh, from that group. I liked. I like these DBs. This defense is crazy, top to bottom. If you really look at it, um, there's going to be a lot of all state kids on this group. Yes, uh, definitely well represented group. And then your uh, big school. I put small school, but that's big school. Special teams. Uh, kicker is Owen Forsman from Lakeland. The punter is Jordan Tyler of Sandpoint. Two return men, Aiden Tirana from Post Falls and Cooper Lenz of Timberlake. Yeah, I mean, let's talk with, with Owen Forsman. I'm sorry. Like, people will talk about Connington from Mountain View a lot. Forsman, in my mind, is the best kicker in the state of Idaho. And the Vandals got themselves an absolute gem um, in the special teams here with Owen Forsman. He's going to do great things for the Vandals at the next level. And he's physical for a kicker, too. He played some linebacker for the Hawks. He would step in on defense when they needed him. And, um, you know, Jordan Tyler, for Sandpoint, did a great job punting. His punt average was pretty outstanding, actually, very quietly that people didn't really talk about punters much in high school football. But, uh, does a great job flipping the field for the Bulldogs. And then Triana and Lenz in the return game, those two guys are threats every time they get the ball. Um, great job by both of them and, and some huge returns for this season and, and consistently getting their teams in great field position. Yeah, really good group of guys there. So those were your large school awards. Now we're going to go to the small school. This is your 2A, 1A, D1, 1A, D2. Let's start with the awards, and here we go. Coach of the year, Nick Holloway from Logos. The offensive player of the year was his quarterback, Jack Driscoll, also from Logos. Defensive player of the year, Porter Whipple, the stud defensive lineman from Cameo. It's a sweep for the 1A, D1 White Pine League in the awards section here, Skaggs. I don't know if you could really argue, though. I mean, Holloway, what he did with Logos and taking them to the state semifinals with a team that previous year only had three wins. They've been in existence for three years, and you make a run like this. Uh, just an awesome job from Coach Holloway and his crew. Um, you look at Jack Driscoll. I don't know how he's not going to be the, the 1A, D1 State Player of the Year. I mean, you may make an argument for the kid from Butte County. Um, but the stat line is just <laughs> 3,400 total yards with uh, one interception, 36 touchdowns pass. I mean, come on. Like, that's a crazy bonkers stat number. And then 109 carries, I mean, he's over 10, 10 yards a carry uh, with 18 touchdowns running. I mean, that's just good grief. Like, that offensively, Jack had a phenomenal senior season. Uh, and the Porter Whipple was just absolutely dominant for Cameo. I mean, guys drawing a double team on every single play. He's leading in sacks. He's like one of the top guys in tackles in 1AD1. The guy's just on fire everywhere he goes on the field. Like, I don't know how you couldn't choose him as the most uh, dominant defensive player in small school football in District 1 or District 2. Yeah, I mean, a pretty typical stat line for Porter Whipple would be like 12 tackles, four tackles for loss, uh, two sacks, and a, and a forced fumble. Like, yep. And it's just another day at the office for Porter Whipple. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, very <laughs> 
incredible athlete. All right, here is your small school offense. I think I can get everybody on the screen here. Okay, so three quarterbacks, Dave Clute of Kamei, Ty Kep of Kendrick, Jack Clark of Potlatch. Two of these three guys are coming back next year. Yep. And you look at this, obviously this is not by any particular order. So nobody like hate mail me or anything like that. Um, it's just alphabetical by school. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dave Clute, I mean, great job for Kamei. They're going to be a threat next year. Ty Kep, we talked about him in his senior season and what he had as a career three state championships as the quarterback uh, for the Tigers. And then Jack Clark quietly led Potlatch to a very great season and playoff appearance. Um, you know, we're, talking about all these guys and there's going to be some dudes that, you know, they could be at the top of the list again next year, just based off of uh, what we saw from them this year. Yep. Uh, running backs, three of them as well. Sawyer Hewitt of Kendrick gauge crow of Lewis County and Trey Gibson from St. Mary's. I don't think you have any misses in this group. Um, there's, I don't know if we have any, there's some schools will be like, Oh, you're missing this guy or whatever. I don't care. Like these three dudes right here, Sign me up. I'll take him first pick, you know, in, in small school football. It, it, as good as it gets. Sawyer Hewitt is an absolute machine. You could have him at receiver too, um, but he just plays everywhere on the field. He's an absolute monster. Uh, I think he had over 1,500 total yards this year. Um, just a ridiculous. It was like 2.1 plays per touchdown <laughs> for Sawyer Hewitt on the season. Uh, Gage Crow had 1,000 yards, I think, by week four. <laughs> rushing just a crazy crazy banana season for gauge uh and then trey gibson led the state uh any classification led the entire state of idaho in rushing this season in total yards a phenomenal senior season for the lumberjack uh ball carrier uh this group this trio here is is a phenomenal group of athletes and and you know well deserving of uh my all north idaho awards yeah, I think some, you know, some omissions people might ask about, you know, Cooper Pox Leitner from Grangeville, Colton O'Kane from Kamii. They were in such a, their teams were winning so dominantly uh, every week. They just weren't getting a ton of touches and yeah. weren't, yeah, I mean, plenty of talented playmakers on those offenses to share the load. Ryland West from Timberline, of course, was yep. injured for, I don't know, five sixths of the year or something like that if he had played the full year you know there's a case to be made but those are all good players that just missed the cut um, yeah and you've got kids from like Mullen St. Regis I mean there's injuries obviously played into factoring in this uh, completing the season and stuff like that too um, yeah. but I mean I could expand this list to probably 20 kids if I really wanted to, but I didn't since eight man. <laughs> so, we got to draw the line. Yeah. We got to draw <laughs> yeah. the line somewhere. Uh, yep. Receivers, three of them, Hunter Taylor of Kendrick, Lucius Comus of Logos, Julian Davis from Wallace. You know, I look at that group and Davis quietly had himself a whale of a season. And that's a team that doesn't get talked out, talked about a lot because they're tucked away in the silver Valley. But Julian Davis was a touchdown machine for the miners. Um, and had himself a great year. We know about Logos's offense. Comus had a great season. And Hunter Taylor, 1.8 plays per touchdown on the season. I mean, it was like he literally scored almost every other time he touched the football, sometimes every time he touched the ball. Uh, we saw him in games, I think it was three separate times this year. Every single time he touched the ball, it was on a touchdown. Um, that's, that's a banana stat you just don't really see every day. Um, those three are more than well-deserving. This is a, a trio that – you look at it, it's like, man, those are three dudes. Other one on, on my team any day of the week. Uh, tight end is Nathan Twite from Kendrick as well. Uh, he'll be back next year. 
yeah, he could be on the top of that quarterback list next year, or he could be right back there at receiver again. So we'll see. But uh, no, Nathan had a great season as well and an, an offensive threat. He really stretched the field for that Tigers offense, um, just really added to that you know lethal group that they had on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And then up front on the offensive line, you kept, you kept it to five guys this time. I was impressed. Uh, Cole Minkin from Clark Fork, Porter Whipple from Kamei, uh, Brock Boyer. Boy, I put Kamei for all these. Brock Boyer and Dallas Morgan are from Kendrick. We don't want to get that twisted. Yeah, you're going to get some meowns out there. Yeah. Uh, Brock Boyer, Dallas Morgan, both from Kendrick, and then Jackson Nantel from St. Mary's. You know, you look at this group, I think quietly some of the ones we know about Whipple, Boyer, and Morgan. Like we talk about them a lot. They're going to get a lot of notoriety. They're going to be all state guys. You like Cole Mintkin a lot. Somebody that you saw in a few games this year um, and you raved about him. I agree. Like that, he's just a baller. Like that could play so dang hard. He's an absolute. We talk about Muckenthaler, who is a mauler. That's Mintkin too. Mintkin's just an animal. He gets after it, he'll mix it up getting dudes faces a little bit. He's like one of those guys that just plays with an edge. Um, and then Jackson Nantel, it's somebody that like not a lot of people watch. He, he plays that left side, that left tackle position for St. Mary's. They ran left a lot for a reason. This dude is an am- absolute monster on film. If you watch him, he is absolutely planting dudes play after play. He'll go d- 10 yards downfield. There was one play I watched. I think it was against Riverside from Washington. He got he like hit the DN, pushed him five yards back. The dude fell. He went and found a linebacker and pancaked him 15 yards downfield <laughs> on a big run. I mean, this is a dude that just gets after it. Um, so I, this group, you know, these five, I mean, they could play big school ball. I mean, you really want to talk about as far as players go, these five up front can really go after it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah, I loved watching Cole Minkin play. And then by the end of the year, you know, they were putting him at a running back too, and he was trucking guys running the ball. He would play guard, and then, you know, next play he'd be in the backfield, and then he'd be back at guard. And to handle two positions at the same time, pretty impressive there for Cole Minkin. Uh, let's take a look at the small school defense up front on the defensive line, Ryan. We've got Carter Munt from Grangeville, the dude, uh, Brock Boyer and Dallas Morgan repeat here for Kendrick. And then Ben Elvin from Prairie makes it also. Yeah. And that, I think that, you know, those two dudes that are up on the Prairie up there with Munt and Elvin quietly, just great seasons. Uh, Elvin at DN is an absolute beast. Uh, he will, yeah, he'll find a home somewhere. That kid can play. Uh, you look at Carter Munt and what the Grangeville Bulldogs are able to do making the playoffs this year, obviously winning the CIL. Um, we know about Boyer and Morgan. We talk a ton about him. Boyer, you know, Morgan draws a double team literally every play. Um, and then Boyer just cleans up. I mean, we watched what, how did, you know, how did Camas County get held to under 100 yards rushing? Those two had a lot to do with it. Uh, which opened the door for Clement Hagen and Fitzmorris on the back end. But like those two guys up front were just absolute machines. Yep. Uh, your linebacking core also really good, led by a pair of Kendrick Tigers here, Lane Clement Hagen and Wyatt Fitzmorris. Also uh, at linebacker from Lapway, Elias Yearout. And from Prairie, Chris Schumacher. Yeah. I think that this group here, I mean, you watch them on film, their guys is year out. He can flux back and play in the secondary too. He can go on the passing game and he's just, he's an athlete. I mean, the guy loves to play hard and, you know, we know about his brother, right? Everybody talked about him and how he was a Gatorade player of the year for small school when he was a Lapway senior season. But 
Elias is an animal. And, and Chris Schumacher is a player that very quietly had himself a phenomenal season for the Pirates, um, a team that obviously missed the playoffs, but they were close for a reason. Uh, my mind, they should have been in the playoffs. Like that's a team that's that's a absolutely staying on the emotion that the Pirates can't get in because of bids in District Three. But that's a beef that I've got with the state elsewhere. Um, but and then you talk about Clement Hagen and Fitzmorris. Those two guys, man, they are absolute animals. We saw them on on Thursday night last week. And it was like, it seemed like every other play we're calling one of them for something like they're doing something. Either it's a big tackle for loss. It's breaking up a pass. It's um, causing a turnover. Those guys are just everywhere. Um, That, that, that quad group right there of, of linebackers is for small school in the state of Idaho. I mean, Idaho eight man better be watching this, this prep cast because there's a bunch of dudes that could be on their awards for the end of the year awards. They do too. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Elias, you're out dynamic offensive player also for Lapway. And speaking of big brother Titus, he logged like 17 or 18 minutes for the Vandals in their most recent game. He's hooping it up as a redshirt freshman at at U of I. So keep up the good work. You're out family. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Much more of them coming. (laughs) Yeah, there are, there are a lot of, I think, uh, I think Titus told me seven or eight siblings uh, behind him. So, oh boy. Uh, DBs Everett Oatman from Kamii. Mason Kimberling, the Moose from Kendrick, Quincy Hall from Lakeside, Jack Driscoll from Logos. You know, we talk about each group. It's like, oh man, this is a dominant group. This is a dominant group. This is a dominant group. This group is dominant too. I mean, Everett Oatman uh, was one of the the premier DBs in, in eight man football. Had a whole gob of interceptions this year. Um, was really you know active in the secondary for that cameo team i mean you could you could throw dave clute in this group too i think that's one that people are going to say like hey that's an omission there because clute was an animal on defense too um mason kimberling moose is an animal like moose you know you don't get six one dbs in the in the secondary very often that can move like he does and can cover downfield and, and you put him with the best receiver of each team or the best you know athlete that's out there on the edge and he he's a blanket uh, Quincy Hall, super active at DB for Lakeside. You saw him a couple times. Um, he's just everywhere. He's he's a he's a beast out there on the field. He plays hard. He goes at it, and he's a he's a turnover magnet. And then Jack Driscoll, equally good on the defensive side of the ball, as we saw as he was on offense. Um, he was dynamic in the secondary too for that Logos team. Yeah, really, uh, really dynamic group of athletes there. Uh, and let's get to our special teams uh, where we're going to see a, sa- a same name in a couple of different spots here. Kofi Apia from Mullen St. Regis, not only as a kicker, but as a return man. And Hunter Taylor from Kendrick also makes it as a returner. I mean, all he did was have punt returns for touchdowns in two of three games in the postseason. Yeah, no, and those are two guys that they just play hard. Like, I love Kofi Apia's story. That he he didn't he hasn't played organized football until I think he was a freshman or a sophomore. Um, came over from Ghana and just plays so dang hard. He's a soccer guy, um, but he he took those talents to the kicking game and was you know great at pinning opponent excuse me opponents deep uh, for Mullen St. Regis. We watched him in the in the playoff games. The wet ball was still able to get into it. Um, some great placement and then. You know, in the return game, we saw him return a touchdown. I mean, he had a touchdown return on a on a kickoff, and uh, Hunter Taylor as well. We know about him, the touchdown machine, and uh, two just very dynamic players that played extremely hard for the respective programs, and a lot to be proud about. But this, yeah, the special teams awards we could name those the Kofi Apia awards. 
<laughs> really and a, and a special player and, and a special uh, program uh, certainly yeah. there with Mullen St. Regis. So yeah, those were the North Idaho, uh, the all North Idaho football teams uh, for yeah. 2023, AKA as I like to call them the Skagsies awards. <laughs> I say yeah. that with love, of course. Uh, of course. I know you put a lot of time and effort into this, and so, and I know all these kids uh, appreciate, you know, getting a little love, getting the, sh the spotlight, you know, shined on them a little bit too. So, thank you, man. They're well deserved. I mean, that's the thing that you know we talk about this off air a lot. It's like, you know, why do we do this? It's because we genuinely care about you know, these athletes and getting their place in the, the spotlight that they deserve. I mean, they put in a ton of work and this is something that we track throughout the season. I mean, I start taking notes probably week one, week two. Um, and then it, it pays off in the long run. I mean, they, they, they showed up and showed out. So well-deserving. Yep. So kudos there before we get out of here, Ryan, uh, and take our break for Thanksgiving. Uh, I did want to talk just briefly, some girls basketball action Ooh, specifically. Um, the 5A programs from up here in North Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, yeah. Lake City, Post Falls. They all traveled south to take on some of the Boise schools, including uh, Rocky Mountain, last year's uh, state runner-up, of course, and also uh, Boise High. And I'm trying to remember who the third team in, in the Mountain View. Uh, yeah, a Mountain View. So, uh, and yeah. let's see, was it Rocky or? Yeah, no, Hawaii, so Boise. Yeah, Hawaii was Hawaii. in on the mix. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Boise, Hawaii, and Mountain View. So Lake City goes down. It's a clean sweep. They beat Boise in the season opener, 49-43. Boise's kind of one of the favorites this year. They've assembled a super team down there. Uh, they beat Hawaii 48-45, and then they beat Mountain View 77-45. So let's start there. Lake City girls go 3-0, two tight wins, and then a laugher on the third day. Yeah, and then, you know, you talk about you don't want to have a letdown. They come in the opening game and beat the number one team in the state. Well, some are saying the number one team in the state. You could argue between Coeur d'Alene and them. Um, but like you said, a super team nonetheless. They come in with this group. Everybody's talking Coeur d'Alene. Everybody's talking Boise coming into the year. And Avery Waddington's like, hold the phone real quick. Like You, you got to throw us back into the conversation too with that cast of, of players around her with Zufelt. Um, there's, you know, Pickford and everybody else. And that's, that's a good group of girls, man. That's a good team. Uh, they come in to get a huge win over Boise. They followed up. They were down. I think it was 17 to Hawaii and come back and win the game, um, late in that one as well. Like that's a huge win for two back-to-back -back massive wins for that program. And then to follow it up, they flex on Mountain View in the, in the capper. Um, so Lake city shows up. I mean, they, they're, you know, kind of get my, uh, pat of the back award for the week that the team of the week in, in 5a for girls is definitely lake city yeah uh quarter lane goes down and goes two and one they beat a 60 to 46 they beat mountain view 63 36 and then they, they got they drew the short straw having to play boise the third game in three days i mean this is how it'll be at state too yeah. but um, they lose by 10 53 43 so people are going oh lake city beat boise and quarter lane didn't uh that that doesn't mean anything. I I don't think. I think both of these teams are going to be really good. They're both going to push each other all year long. Yeah, and you look at you know Coeur d'Alene's going to have to, you know, there's only one basketball on the floor at a time. This group's going to gel together as the season comes along between the two Colvin sisters, and you throw you know Maddie Mitchell in the mix as well. They're going to have 
uh, you know, Kelsey Carroll as well. There, there's some talent on the floor for that Vikings team. They didn't, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be in the mix um, come late in the year, but there's just a little bit of, uh, I think, continuity trying to find their, their, their identity early on. Um, you know, that's going to be the, I don't think a challenge necessarily, but it's just going to be the things that they work through this loss to Boise. I wouldn't really hold a ton of weight in other than it's a good litmus test to know where you need to work and what you need to work on by the time you maybe face them again in the postseason. Yep. And then post falls, uh, they go Owen three on the trip. They fall to Owyhee, Mountain View and Boise, but um, you know, they, they showed flashes of competitiveness and for Brian Hall's team, you know, life without Capri Sims is going to be tough, but uh, I think they're going to be right there in the mix this year also. So, yeah, and there's, there's some, some talent on that roster too, so they can make things interesting that, but they're going to have to find their balance as well and find like, you know, we talk about identity, but uh, life without Capri Sims, how's that offense going to work and who's it going to go, who's the ball going to go through in order to get the, the scoring output week in and week out. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think Letty Asper is the person they're looking to down low. Brooklyn Brennan a little bit on the perimeter also. She just signed with MSU Billings. But if you want all the girls' basketball coverage, uh, we've got previews for every conference, every state, uh, well, every state, uh, every conference in the state with uh, coaches' quotes, players to watch, season previews. It's all right there, top of the homepage at idahosports.com. You can check everything out there otherwise that is gonna do it for this edition of the north idaho prep cast ryan turkey day plans what do you got on tap it's gonna turkey day will be hanging out here on thursday then going down to visit my folks on the weekend so um my wife's got to work on wednesday and friday so other than that we're kind of holding tight we're gonna do a little we're saving the the traditional thanksgiving dinner for saturday so we're doing steak on uh on thursday so that'll be okay with me so cool I, yeah. uh, man, that, that's a bummer for, uh, for the misses. <laughs> She's got to work on Wednesday and Friday. That's brutal, man. I used to have to do that and I hated it, man. It's nice. It's nice working at places that allow you a little time off for the holiday. Right. Yeah. And you're, it, you're your own boss. So yeah, I'm my own boss. So, I mean, I'll probably cut out Wednesday and Friday. So it's all my, my son's home all week though, too. So we get to hang out all Thanksgiving break and yeah, it's a, a lot of father-son time, probably throwing the football around or something like that outside if the weather's nice. If it doesn't, hopefully snow again. <laughs> <laughs> Might be more thrilling than, than the uh, real-life football yeah. happening on Thanksgiving. So I'm just glad that we got to be the appetizer to the main course on Thursday. So, yeah. That's right. Okay, well, everybody have a safe uh, and happy Thanksgiving. Whatever you're doing, staying home, traveling, whatever you're doing, please be safe. Uh, we want you all back here next week as we break down everything going on in North Idaho. Once again, for Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.